Hey, welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the My Kinda New Year's Eve Party edition. Today is episode 169, Creature and its exoskeleton found in lady's ear hole and millipede the size of a car. My God, my friends, look, we're a special bunch. For the mere average person, today's topics would evoke disgust or maybe a blank silent stare, like a deer in headlights, as they try to comprehend either of these situations. But us? Us business geese? No. No, no, no. We hear shit like this and we do recoil, but we recoil forwards. If that makes sense, it, I guess it doesn't. What I mean is, we want to know more. And y'all have been wanting more for the past three years. And I can't say thank you enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as we face plant into 2024 together, I can't wait to bring you what that year has in store. No one knows exactly what will happen, but I have a feeling, whatever it is, it's gonna be weird. And it'll be my goddamn honor to tell you those stories. Speaking of bizarre, in the, in the first half of the show, an article from the New England Journal of Medicine that went viral back in October. Maybe you remember it, maybe you saw the headlines or watched a posted video of what we're about to cover. If you have, you'll still wanna stick around because this is gonna be the deep dive no one asked for. A woman in her mid-60s heard clicking and rustling sounds in her left ear for days. And when she finally made her way to a clinic for help, turns out a very tiny, and dare I say cute, yeah, cute critter had taken residency in her head. Now, what species, how doctors got it out safely, and more importantly, does this happen often? And if so, to fucking who? <laughs> shall be revealed. I just had to know personally, and now you're gonna know. Then after the break, an ancient creature no one asked for. My friends, here's a few fun facts about modern millipedes. Okay, they're not insects. I know, I know, surprise. They're actually more closely related to lobsters. Uh-huh, lobsters shrimp and crayfish. And as you're digesting that, okay, millipedes, or the word millipede may translate to a thousand feet, but none of them quite have a thousand. Even though it looks that way, most species actually have fewer than a hundred, which is still a lot. Also a lot, there are 7,000 species of millipede in the world. However, thankfully, only 1,400 of these can be found in the United States and Canada. And uh, hold on to your measly two legs because millipedes have been around for at least 300 million years. Yeah, 300 million years. Which brings us to an ancient creature, an ancient millipede that in some reports suggests it grew to eight and a half feet long. You heard me, an eight and a half foot long millipede. Now, <clears throat> who this was, where it lived, how it was discovered, and how in the holy hell could it have grown so large will also be revealed. And that last part, it's gonna really blow your mind because the answer is not what you'd expect at all. In the meantime, I'm Jill Chacha, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, my simply limbed business goose. To begin, 
I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The universe is funny. Sometimes it takes weeks or even months to see the humor in things, but when the trauma subsides, you get a chance to revisit an event with clear eyes. And when you do, holy shit, you just might laugh. I think this story is a great example. When I got over the headlines and really paid attention to the cast of characters involved, I chuckled. And hopefully, the patient involved has laughed about it by now as well. Let's head on back to spring of this year. April, to be exact, and we just so happen to be sitting in the waiting room of Tainan Municipal Hospital's Otolaryngology Clinic. I fucking nailed every word. Can we just take a moment? That was great. Okay, now, for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, you may be wondering where this is. And being that our healthcare is pretty much crap, you're probably wondering what in the holy hell an otolaryngology clinic is. Don't worry, I've got you. Everyone, please imagine China. Thank you. Now, if you will, point to the southeast corner. Okay. And now move your finger a few miles offshore. There is Taiwan. And in its southwest corner is Tainan Municipal Hospital. Hello. And as mentioned before, it has an otolaryngology clinic, which is a fancy and difficult way of saying an ENT, or an ear, nose, and throat practice. You and I and a very special 64-year-old female patient, are here for the E-part. Four days ago, the woman told the staff here she was startled awake by the feeling of something crawling into her ear canal. Yeah, that's like the opening of a horror flick for sure. And like any good horror flick, what follows directly after is nothing. There, sitting up in bed in the dark, she may have wondered if it was all a dream because whatever the sensation was, it had stopped. And like any good horror flick, when you're feeling safe, that's when things ramp up. Over the next three days, our patient experienced, quote, a history of abnormal sounds in her left ear, end quote, from the New England Journal of Medicine, which published this case study in October. Uh, Well played, my friends. As the days passed, the incessant beating, clicking, and rustling sounds increased, all leading to sleepless nights and paranoid days. And because the universe is funny, like I said. All of this just so happened to target a woman who already had a history of hypertension. That is, high blood pressure. Whose symptoms can include moderate to severe headaches, anxiety, shortness of breath, nosebleeds, and palpitations. Needless to say, these phantom sounds coming from inside her head probably didn't help things much. So, here we are at the clinic, and in a desperate state for help. And the doctor present to answer this call just so happens to be named Dr. Wang. Yes, I am serious. Dr. Tenqing Wang, MD. And uh, I'm happy to report that this is not Dr. Wang's first rodeo. I am a professional. This is what I do. For you see, my mesmerizing business goose, Dr. Wang has heard of these symptoms before. And after peeking into the ear canals of those patients, according to NBC News, he had seen ants, moths, cockroaches, and mosquitoes. So, it's now just a matter of finding out who is in there and figuring out the best method to get them out. My friends, grab your finest autoscope. We are going in. 
Uh, and if you're wondering what the hell that is, an otoscope, by the way, uh, is a device you have totally have seen before and probably had one stuck in your ear at some point, maybe during a checkup. Um, <clears throat> just imagine a handle, okay? And at the end of the handle is what looks to be like a funnel. And that's what Dr. Wang used to look into our patient's canal. What a sentence. So please grab your finest otoscope and head on over to Google. Yes, Google. And in the search bar, please enter N-E-J-M spider ear canal. I mean, just put spider and ear canal too. This will come up. It happened so recently and it was all over the place. Anyway, you'll probably see a very short clip. Yes, a video pop up. And even though this feels like it's against your better judgment, please, I beg you, press play. Okay, I'm going to do that myself. I'm going to bring it up right now, and I'll give you a second. All right, I'm going to hit play. Oh my god. Okay, let's avoid the obvious first. And let's start with some good news. Let's start with some good news. Uh, we've got one healthy-looking ear canal. I, I, I'm not a doctor, but I'd say that's good. That's a good one. Uh, the eardrum. The thin layer of skin at the very back has not been damaged. High five. Looking good. But now, I'm sure you've noticed, uh, yeah, that's a spider, my friends, walking around. It's alive and well. And I bet you have a few questions like, why, God? Why? And how are you going to get this out? And what kind of a spider is this anyway? And hold the fuck up. What else is in there? I see something else. All great questions. Let's start with who our visitor may be. My friends, the aptly named journalist Beth Mole of ARS Technica, Beth Mole of ARS, which is either you say the letters or it's Ars Technica. <laughs> this, this, this episode, Beth Mole of Ars Technica. <laughs> reached out to two jumping spider experts. I'm sorry, I already gave it away. Two spider experts who believed, quote, without a doubt, this spider belongs to the family of jumping spiders. The giveaway is the family-specific arrangement and size and size ratio of the eyes, said Martin Neifler, a senior lecturer in zoology at the University of Basel. Uh, he said to um, Beth Mole, to Ars, over an email. Now, specifically, this family of spiders has large median front eyes, which can be seen when it looks directly into the camera. End quote. Yes, my equally adorable business goose, this curious little spider knew it was time to shine. Just five seconds into the video, the spider walks over, looks into the camera, like, oh, hello. Welcome to my apartment. Won't you come in and see what I've done with the place? Like, I hate to say this, but it's cute for a spider. Now, if you don't want to watch the video, I'll have a screenshot of this moment on our social media stuff. Uh, but, you know, if I need to describe it to you, it's just got cute large eyes and a tiny fuzzy body. Like if Pixar squeezed out a spider, this would be it. You know what I mean? Okay. Now, speaking of what it did to the place, what that crumpled heap in the corner is, in the back by the eardrum, um, it kind of looks like another spider, doesn't it? Well, good news, it's not. It's merely the exoskeleton of this spider, which means it grew and shed in her ear. That's all. Quote, Neifler speculated based on its small size, two to three millimeters or one tenth of an inch, 
and the fact that it shed its skin, that this may be a juvenile spider. Jerry Rovner, a biologist at Ohio University, agreed that it appears to be a tiny juvenile. Uh, he noted in an email to Ars, <laughs> ARS, that the spider's eyes are large relative to its uh, cephalothorax, aka a fused head and thorax. Uh, it's large to this fused head and thorax, i.e. meaning it has big baby eyes. This makes it even more difficult to identify further, Robner said, because spiders are identified based on adult characteristics, end quote. So, Jerry then went on to answer another question of ours. Why, why in God's name did this happen to begin with? Well, it turns out it probably decided to nestle into the woman's ear for safety. Yeah, quote, many hunting spiders... Those that do not live in prey capture webs seek a sheltered location for the purpose of molting, as they cannot defend themselves from predators during that process. End quote. My friends, it all came down to location, location, location. So, here we have the who and the why. We need the how. How do we get this spider out along with its um, body waste? You heard me. Well, thankfully, because the spider was so small, and I mean so small it could fit on the tip of your finger or in your ear canal, it was suctioned out rather easily. And because of this, my friends, I ask you, would you keep it? Think about it. Would you set it free? Please tell me what you'd do with a baby jumping spider that lived in your head. <laughs> Leave a comment or two on our social media stuffs. In the meantime, uh, you may be wondering how often creatures getting stuck in ears actually occurs, and what if you can't make it to Dr. Wang? What if there's no Wang? What do you do? Lucky, lucky for you, I looked it up. Uh, Dr. David Castle is a physician and, uh, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, I just... Oh, God. Dr. David Castle is a physician at ENT Sinus and Allergy of South Florida, which means you know he's seen some shit. He told NBC News, most ear, nose, and throat specialists see tens, if not more, of bugs or some sort of arthropod in ear canals throughout their career. This statement was backed up by one of the best things on the internet, the National Library of Medicine. That shit is just chock full of goodies. Take a minute and go take a look. Um, it states... Live insects represent at least 14% of foreign objects found in people's ear holes. Yeah. So if you find yourself in such, a, in such a situation, please don't feel embarrassed. This happens like a lot. To put 14% of something into perspective, mathematically, that's 143 out of 1,000. Or 1 in 7. Yeah, you're welcome. So... After not feeling embarrassed, what should we do? Well, if you can't find a wang, please try the following. Or, or don't, I'm not a doctor. Anyway, according to MedlinePlus.gov, if the bug is sticking out and easy to remove, gently remove it by hand or with tweezers, and then get medical help to make sure all of the bug and everything else, as we've seen, has been removed. If you think it may be lodged inside the ear and you can't see it, do not reach inside with tweezers. You can do more harm than good. Also, do not put a finger in your ear. This may make the insect sting. Turn your head so that the affected side is up 
side up and uh, wait and see if the insect flies or crawls out. <clears throat> if this does not work, because that spider that was at home, uh, if this does not work and your eardrum is not ruptured or torn, okay, try pouring mineral oil, olive oil, or baby oil into the ear. The insect should suffocate and may float out with the oil. Um, avoid using oil to remove any object other than an insect because oil can make foreign objects swell. Uh, even if the insect appears to come out, please get medical attention. Small insects can uh, irritate the sensitive skin of the ear canal. And there might be other shit in there. <clears throat> As we've seen. Okay, look, if I were you, just wait until a professional is around. Because who knows? You may end up in the New England Journal of Medicine. And then, on a delightful podcast, laughing about it. After the break, something with way more legs and is way, way, way the fuck bigger. We need to talk about the largest millipede ever found. So far, thankfully it's long dead, but we still need to talk about this thing. Oh God, please stay tuned. With Wired Science, you can geek out all you want. It's a podcast for anyone obsessed with math, science, space, biology, or technology. And it provides in-depth coverage on current news and discoveries. From strange diseases that turn your tongue fuzzy to tech that'll help crops grow from space. New episodes are released nearly every day, and they're typically under 10 minutes, so you can easily make them a part of your daily routine. Listen in the morning while you're getting ready or during lunch while you check NASA's astronomy picture of the day. Check out Wired Science now wherever you get your podcasts. That's Wired Science wherever you get your podcasts. We're the All Creatures Podcast. Each week, Angie and I explore and share amazing details about the many animals we share our world with. Plus, Chris and I are both PhD scientists and educators. So we do the deep dives in the scientific research and then come back and share what we learn in a fun and casual way. We also speak with other scientists, animal experts, activists, and many other conservation enthusiasts from all over the planet. So you can find the All Creatures Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, if you ever imagined yourself as an abandoned lover staring into the crashing sea with your hair windswept and your late 19th century dress in tatters, having been torn by the elements and rocks, I know the place for you. All you need to do is imagine England. Thank you. Now please point to the very north where it shares a border with Scotland. Okay, fabulous. Now please move your finger east all the way until you hit the coastline. Here you'll find the jagged cliffs and beaches of Howick Bay in Northumberland, and you really need to see this place. Uh, please take a moment and drop whatever it is you're holding, be it a scalpel or a bottle for your infant. Forget about these things. Instead, please pick up your phone <laughs> and head on over to our social media stuffs. Tap on today's post and you shall see just how portrait of a lady on fire this place is. <laughs> Back in 2018, this place wasn't crawling with yearning women, but rather a group of specialists who focus on the evolution of land arthropods like insects, spiders, scorpions, centipedes, and the star of this segment, millipedes. I bet you weren't expecting that kind of pivot. <laughs> I'm sorry, but not sorry. We need to talk about what was found here 
just a few years ago. Dr. Neil Davies of the Department of Earth Sciences for Cambridge. Well, Dr. Neil, uh, he was one of the folks having the goddamn time of their lives along Howick Bay one particular afternoon when the universe did one of its funny things. Quote, It was a complete fluke of a discovery, he told the British Natural History Museum website nhm.au.uk. The way the boulder had fallen had perfectly exposed a fossil which one of our former PhD students happened to spot when walking by. End quote. Yes, my friends, I hope you still have our social media stuffs open on your phone because you're going to want to swipe past Howick Bay and just check out the astonishing find this group just stumbled into. I'm going to I'm going to put it up here. I'm going to pull it up here myself and yeah. That is just crazy. It's like an open-faced sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 a gross sandwich and it's embedded in the rock. It looks like the connected body segments of a goddamn millipede. That's what it looks like to me. And it turns out, Dr. Neil thought the exact same thing. After receiving permission to extract the fossil, what did researchers find? Drumroll, please. Thank you. It was, quote, the most complete specimen of Arthropleura ever discovered, and by far the largest. It is believed to represent the upper half of the exoskeleton of the giant millipede, which was filled in by river sediment after being cast off, end quote, from nhm.au.uk. Yeah, we... God, my molting business goose, we are knee-fucking-deep in exoskeletons today. And the fossil recovered here belong to a section of a beast called Arthropleura. Say it with me, Arthropleura. And when I say beast, I mean it. With what was found, scientists were able to scale up its size, revealing that this member of this species was around eight and a half feet in length and about a foot and a half feet wide. Yeah, good news. It gets worse. It probably weighed in at about 50 kilos or about 110 pounds. <laughs> now, you probably have a few questions like, why God? Again, why? <laughs> when did it live here? And uh, what did it eat? And again, why? Well, these are all great questions. And uh, please hold on to your smooth butt cheeks because a lot of what I'm about to say It's going to fuck you up. Okay. This unit of a creature existed during an era called the Carboniferous period, which was around 359 to 299 million years ago. A time on Earth I cannot fathom because Earth looked so unrecognizable. Here's what I mean. Dr. Greg Edgecombe, a very British specialist on arthropods over at the Natural History Museum, uh, Dr. Greg told the establishment's website that Arthropleura could be found in what is today the UK, continental Europe, and North America. However, this spot, Howick Bay, 300 million years ago in the Carboniferous, would have been closer to the equator than an, and would be more like a woodland area than a beach. This, is, this may have meant, like today's millipedes, it would have shared its home with tetrapods or four-limbed creatures like reptiles and probably lived off the plant life. With Dr. Neil speculating, quote, while we can't know for sure what they ate, they were 
There were probably plenty of nutritious nuts and seeds available in the leaf litter at the time. End quote. So, it's possible. It's possible, my flimsy business goose, that it wasn't those nuts or the seeds that made Arthropleura grow to such an unnecessary size, um, in my opinion, unnecessary. Um, get this. According to the Natural History Museum's website, Earth was much more oxygen-rich than it is now, as much of the carbon was locked up in woody plants which could not easily be broken down. While the, plants, while the planet's atmosphere today contains around 21% oxygen, the atmosphere at the time had levels of over 26% and for periods greater than 30%. Insects like Meganeura, which would have looked like bird-sized dragonflies, were among the many large bugs found across the world at this time. It has been suggested that this higher level of oxygen is what allowed for the insects to grow much larger. Insects breathe using trachea, or tubes, which deliver oxygen directly into the tissues of the body, whereas many other animal species use blood to, to deliver the gas. With this system, oxygen moves relatively slowly into the body of insects. This means that tissues at the center of larger arthropods wouldn't receive enough oxygen to survive under today's conditions, but if there were more oxygen in the atmosphere during the Carboniferous, then these animals may have been able to grow larger." End quote. Yes, my lunged business goose, it is possible. The fucking air, overstuffed with oxygen, is what allowed the ridiculously sized proportions of Arthropleura. And, thanks to its chonkiness and lack of flying predators at the time, this giant-ass millipede smothered its way over the Earth for 45 million years. Okay, then what happened? Well, great question. Maybe it had something to do with a little thing called the rise of the dinosaurs. And yes, flying predators. Fossil records of Arthropleura end about 250 million years ago, suggesting that even bigger creatures, with bigger mouths to feed and two million years of rain, may have had something to do with it. Check out episode 137 for details if you haven't, and please bring an umbrella. That is a wild fucking story. And thank you for rating, listening, subscribing, telling your friends about... Uh, that lady's ear hole and how often things get well specifically insects get stuck in people's ears this is one out of seven one out of seven folks the, those are good odds if you're gonna get something stuck in your ear it's probably gonna be a, a bug and uh <clears throat> tell them about the millipede the size of a car you know when they're not expecting it that's the best time and a millipede size thanks to the folks over at airwave media the podcast network to which wti belongs if you love this show you'll love the other podcasts in this family and please stay interesting